In therapy, radically genuine is reached when one is being truly authentic, communicating freely and openly as equals. The Radically Genuine podcast strives to do just that. We will question areas of mental health, culture, societal norms, and what is truly needed to improve the lives of others. Dr. Roger McFillin is a clinical psychologist and board certified in behavioral and cognitive psychology. He is the executive director of the Center for Integrated Behavioral Health in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. There really isn't a quick fix to creating a life of contentment, purpose, and meaning. Struggle, disappointment, failure, and loss are necessary stops on the road to fulfillment. If your ultimate goal is to feel happy all the time, that in itself may cause misery. Nonetheless, we certainly want to feel as good as possible. On today's episode of Radically Genuine, we take a look at 10 easy steps to a life of misery. Actions you may be doing that have become ingrained in modern society that will prevent you from feeling good. Okay, so the other day I was flipping through um, my email and then I was scrolling the internet and I came across this uh, list of the, the top five things that um, I can do every day to just truly be happy. So my question is, um, you know, why do I need you, Roger? If I wanted to <laughs> overcome some things in my life, can I just follow what the internet's telling me to be happy? Absolutely. It's got great outcomes. Just follow those top five lists, top 10 lists, and you're on your way. <laughs> in fact, you know, here's my, my, my thoughts on these things. I believe like the more that you try to be happy, the worse you're going to feel. Um, so I think, you know, for today's podcast, instead of examining all these easy steps to try to feel happy, we should take a look at like easy ways to become really miserable. I see what you did there. That'd be interesting. <laughs> well, if, if you want to, uh, if you want to be happy in life, if you do these 10 things, I guarantee you it's not going to happen. Number 10. Seek constant distraction. And I mean constant distraction. This is going to help you avoid dealing with the discomfort of living. Okay. Ultimately, you know, you can start with trying to fill up your day with mindless activities. And in today's society, we definitely have tons of mindless activities to direct our attention into. Your smartphone, go to video games, check email, just be busy all the time. And what we can expect to happen is you're going to have a difficult time just sitting still. Just being human is going to be difficult enough. All the discomfort of having to, to, to live, you'll feel it when you actually have to slow down. What do you consider distractions where other things are just maybe, you know, checking in on your, your normal activities? Yeah, I'm going to say distractions are those things that you feel like you are doing to avoid what you may be feeling or experiencing. So just think about how often you may go to your phone just to just to check it, just because you feel like this this impulse to do so, and you're noticing like an uncomfortable agitation in your own body. So is it only about not wanting, not getting the things done that you want to do? You think that people just here's the goal, but I don't want to do it right now, so I'm going to be I'm going to let myself be distracted. Mm. Do, you, do you remember when you used to go on, on uh, trips when you were a kid? Yeah. And it was just basically you, your parents, and the radio? Headphones. Well, you were bored, weren't you? Well, now we have iPads. Some cars have like television sets right in there. It's like constantly you have this ability to distract into something. 
And then what we see is that it becomes really difficult to focus on the things that really matter. Work, school, relationships. This will maximize misery, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are going to struggle in all those areas. And then you're going to see when it comes to lay down in bed at night, your mind's going to keep going. You know, you, you have to sit down. You have to, God forbid, have to face an experience of boredom. That difficulty in being able just to sit still and quiet the mind becomes almost impossible. So seeking constant distraction, that'll put you on the road to misery. Number nine. When you struggle or fail at something, give up quickly. Hmm. And this is, a, this is a really great way to really never be good at anything. Because in order to be good and achieve some level of mastery and competence, you have to fail. Because that's where we learn. And so this will accelerate misery. Because you're never going to feel like you're good enough. And everything that requires you to persevere, which can provide like incredible satisfaction in a life, well, you're not going to be able to experience it. And so it's a great way to stop personal growth. So a good way to create misery is make sure you quit every time you come up against failure or struggle. So is that supported with parenting currently, where if a kid does find a struggle and they immediately say, I don't get it, I want to give up. And our, our, our parents and, and teachers, are, are they more responsible for saying, no, I don't want you to give up? Or is it just that they say, all right, all right we'll try something different. You know, well, let's do something a little easier. The act of like working through something is an incredible life skill, right? Like you struggle, it's just an opportunity to be able to learn. But we can become so attached to the outcome that it's as if if we struggle, that somehow like defines who we are. Well, I'm a failure as a person. And this is gonna this is gonna like work really nicely into number eight. Comparing yourself to other people. Comparing yourself to other people constantly will lead you to feel miserable. Now, in all likelihood, um, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to do this. If you are on Instagram, Facebook, you know, the idea of like looking at someone else in their best moments, which is usually very scripted, will lead you to feel like you're constantly living less of a life than them. And this will walk you down that direction to misery. What do you say? Okay, wait a minute. Let me devil's advocate that because now I have technology at the education level. It's, it's, it's all about technology, you know, integrate technology. Obviously we found out this last year it does help, but kids are now allowed to have their phones, uh, devices. Um, many of them are actually utilizing them for creative purposes. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious. So what happens if a parent sits there and says, yeah, but Dr. McPhillan, I, um, I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I think my son is, you know, much better when he's on social media. He's collaborating, he's communicating with everyone. You know, he is maybe uh, too a little too involved on his phone all the time, but it's really helped him. What do you say to those individuals that have bought into this? Well, Kelly, I'm, I'm not trashing social media. I'm trashing a, a process that could happen in social media. And, that, and that's that idea of like viewing how people present and post their life. And then the comparison part there, like, my life is not like theirs. I don't look like that. I'm not having as much fun as they are. I'm not as successful as they are. And that's, that's what we see that is increasing, um, especially for younger generations, is because your life becomes what is posted 
um, online rather than the one that's actually being lived. Everything online is fake anyway. I mean, I'll share a personal story that um, as you scroll through Instagram, I remember at one point there was uh, someone who is a friend who all of a sudden became a lot more active on social media, uh, posting a lot more photos. And my immediate reaction was knowing that there's a lot of, you know, fake personas out there that I wonder if this person's struggling with something right now and he's looking for some type of, you know, connection and getting the likes to make himself feel better. And that's exactly what was going on. That person was depressed in the moment and wanted to share this image, this false persona of who he was and what was going on to try and make himself feel better. But uh, the, re- the reality is most of those online, you know, people that you follow, it's not their reality. Most of them are just, you know, struggling with the same things that you and I are doing every single day. Yeah, being a psychologist, I've had to almost learn an entire different, different world, uh, especially with younger generations. I mean, relationships will end if one of their partners likes somebody else. Uh, you know, it's crazy um, because it's a, it's a new way of interacting. So if you post a picture and I like it or I comment on it, that's like akin to some form of like betrayal, almost cheating on that person. What do you, what about people that just lurk? They don't like anything. The voyeurs. Yeah. <laughs> the voyeurs. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not kind of, suggesting that I'm doing that. I'm more of a If voyeur. I were. <laughs> I'm a scroller. I know what's going on, but I'm not letting you know, exactly. know what's going on. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I see no problem with that. Good, good. What's the next one? Number seven. Become a vampire. Ooh. Yeah. And, I, and I don't mean drinking blood. Oh. I mean avoiding sunlight. Well, that's different. The, the more we learn about the power of sun, um, the more you start to uh, understand how like social isolation, the winter months, mm-hmm. and people who are just afraid of skin cancer are missing out on incredible benefits. From regulating your sleep to improving your mood, your body creates the hormone melatonin from exposure to the sun and it helps with, with a deeper level of sleep, um, maintain strong bones, the vitamin D, um, Improves our immunity, the ability to, you know, fight off disease. Even like there's good studies that shows that it it can help keep the weight off. And I think that probably is like correlational to some other things. Like there's improved sleep, improved energy levels, probably more likely to move. People are out in the sun or probably exercising. But if you are avoiding sunlight, you are missing out on all the benefits, especially the ones that are, are uplifting our moods. So, you know, if, if we're trying to, to, to create 10 easy steps to a life of misery, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're in the home. So that's just about sunlight. That's not about biting into human flesh, making me miserable. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. What's the next one? Number six. Devote your life to seeking the approval from others. What did you think about my last comment? <laughs> Seriously, did you like it? I thought yeah. I thought we we're actually going to cut that one out. You didn't laugh the way that I thought you were going to. It just felt fake. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's uh, an impossible task to... To laugh at my jokes? To achieve everyone's approval, because okay. this isn't even funny right now. <laughs> <laughs> and if so much about your, your life... Sure i like his list. <laughs> so much about your life is, is, is seeking the approval of others. Like, there's some consequence to this. You're probably not going to have strong opinions on absolutely anything which is going to lead you to ultimately just be boring and consequently just be rejected by others. Hmm. So if I do something 
that I'm proud of isn't part of the process to have you, you get people to tell you, oh, that, that's a great job. I really like what you did. Isn't that, that makes me feel good though. So we, we're, the danger here is going all or nothing, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not like we don't care at all what people think about right, us. Right. Um, and we're going to have close people in our life that we're going to share our life with. And that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a, a genuine relationship in which it's reciprocal. You know, you're going to support the other person. You're going to support them. But that's a little bit different, you know, like constantly trying to seek approval of any, anybody in your circle and even outside your circle. You're just trying to be liked. And we know that's going to create a life of miserable, misery. It's going to dominate your thought process. You're always going to be questioning what other people think about you. And it's really hard to create an independent life um, in which you're, you're able to take risks in which you're able to create a, a life that is independent of other people's, you know, thoughts or opinions. All right. Well, next one. This one's pretty obvious, but number five. <laughs> Embrace a sedentary lifestyle. We are designed to move as human beings. And boy, you know, the more, um, the more that we stay still, the more sick we're going to become physically and mentally. And this is something we have to be concerned about, about modern society. We are becoming more and more sedentary. Mm-hmm. And we're just not designed that way. Uh, we're designed to move, hunt our food, um, or, or, or uh, gather our food. And so, like, we are taking so many more calories than ever before and moving less, which is just leading to, a, you know, an obesity epidemic. But, you know, this goes back to even, like, exposure to sunshine. I mean, there are mood boosting qualities to exercise. And so if you're not going to, if you're not going to be out there and move in the sight, in the sunlight, become active, well then you are really preventing a lot of uh, pleasure chemicals and those endorphins that are necessary for feeling good. So if you really want to just be miserable, sit still and sit still longer. And then your body is going to really break down on you. And then you're going to feel really bad as you get older. Well, you can know where I'm going to go with this in education. The, the system itself is you are rewarded for staying in your seat and not moving. I mean, I know at the, at, at, even at elementary right now, and I think it's more because of COVID, but um, if kids are outside, they, they're, they're, they're told they, they can't get near each other, they can't do it, which I get. But at the same time, there's not enough of time for them to run around, play. What do, and then, of course, like I said, they get rewarded for just staying in their seats. Are there well, kids that have stand-up desks? Because that's what's happening in I, the workforce. I would love that. Yeah, there's, there, there, there's talk of that. Mm-hmm. In fact, prior to COVID um, at our district, there was definitely uh, a big movement in getting, um, I'm not sure what the technical term for that is, but people standing, allowing them more movement, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't sit still. Like even when I was working in the corporate world, I would get up, you know, every hour and just walk around, have conversations with people midday, you know, do a lap around the property. Um, I just, I can't sit still. And look what we're doing to kids, you know, for those kids who are just like, cannot sit in that, in that seat and will actually do something just to get out of it. They're labeled with ADHD. Right. All right. Next one. Number four. Devote hours to social media and news, especially right before bed. So recent, re- recent research has suggested that um, the more exposure to social media and to news, 
correlates with declining mental health. This shouldn't be surprising because the news, for the most part, is designed to keep you hooked. And how do they keep you hooked? Right? They have to provoke emotions, anger, fear. Those are the two big ones. And so if they can provoke anger and fear, they're going to keep you hooked. Now imagine you're watching this before you go to bed. The state of anger and fear is going to impact with your sleep. Well, think about news. How many times have you heard that saying, uh, what's your angle? You know, if it, if it bleeds, it reads. It all comes down to a headline. You know, what can you do to get someone's attention, to draw out an emotion, to get them to click on something, to read, and then click on the next thing and the next thing. And um, I don't really watch news anymore. Um, I do go on social media, and it usually is right before bedtime. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like that is the time that I have a moment to scroll, and, uh, and I normally do it mindlessly. So how do you get? Because most of the high school students, I can tell you, they stay up until midnight, sometimes 2 o'clock, just you know, swiping up looking at things, TikTok, mm-hmm. but still, even on TikTok, I know that there's different different realms, but there's a lot of news. There's still a news story that'll pop up on the screen and they're obviously, you know, interacting with this. Well, if you uh, don't have that disease FOMO, mm-hmm. fear of missing out, <laughs> then when you're, when you're exposed to somebody else who's out and having a good time or you're about to go to bed, well, then it's probably not an issue. But for a lot of people, it triggers FOMO. And then you start, you know, you go to bed feeling bad again. You know, it's all about how you feel when you're about to go to sleep. You know, we're not even talking about the blue light exposure. But to go to sleep, you have to, you have to be at peace. Your mind has to be at peace. So if you're emotionally activated, it's going to be that much more oh, difficult. That's true. Have you ever had one of those miserable days at work and you're reliving something and you're thinking about how you're going to approach it the next day and then you get worked up on a scenario that you think could potentially happen, but it hasn't really happened yet. And before you know it, you're laying there an hour and a half later and you can't fall asleep. Well, that takes us to uh, number three. Disrupt your sleep schedule. Wow, what a segue. That was really <laughs> I didn't good. even know that was coming. <laughs> well, listen, if you really want to be miserable, stay up late. Nap. Um, struggle with insomnia. Wait, nap? Mm-hmm. Nap during the day? Nap during the day. I thought naps are good for you. I get yelled at for napping. <laughs> well, remember, it's about disrupting your sleep cycle. Oh, your individual sleep cycle. Everybody's sleep cycle might be different, right? Well, I, you know, generally, you know, from a health perspective, if you're able to establish healthy sleep habits, like go to bed around the same time and wake up around the same time, um, you're going to have much greater improvement in your ability to get restful sleep. And so the idea of like staying up late one night, napping the next day affects your ability to sleep the next night, um, impacts your, 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 your circadian rhythms and your ability to feel well rested the next day. So this is going to guarantee fatigue, disrupt, like possibility that you will feel motivated the next day. I'm going to challenge you on this one because I believe culture plays a role in this because if you go to another country, let's say Spain, you know, you got your siestas or you go down to South America, um, they do a siesta in the middle of the day and their dinner time is much later in the evening and sometimes they'll stay out a lot later. But culturally, they all seem to be, you know, in a rhythm together um, and they're not all miserable there, right? Yeah, I mean, if that's if, if you're talking about that being their, their structured sleep and yeah. their ability to get enough rest, 
Well, then sure. Yeah, culture can have a, can have an impact on it. Okay. So real quick, and and if, in education, elementary kids go to school later than high school kids, mm-hmm. oftentimes because of bus schedule. Um, when shouldn't we re- when you reverse that? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things we do in this country that that doesn't make a lot of sense. So during periods like adolescence, where teenagers require twelve, maybe more hours of sleep, and there's changes in their circadian rhythms where they go to bed earlier, and then we wake them up earlier. It's not great for performance. So if we were doing, if we were constructing our public school schedules on what would be best for performance, you know, we'd probably start school closer to nine o'clock. Are there any schools that are adjusting their schedules? There's been, there's just been some, um, I think in the Midwest have gotten grants to try it. A lot of it deals with, honestly, it's with scheduling. Mm -hmm. It's with sports activities. It's always around activities. And sometimes you have to look at that from the perspective of a high school saying, well, let those kids go in earlier. We let them out earlier and then they can have their, you know, their sporting events and practices. Um, Not all places obviously have daylight until nine o'clock at night. So Mm -hmm. they, they do, I think, adjust it for that. But there's talk. Number two. Believe happiness is the natural state of human existence. What is the natural state of human existence? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's kind of like the weather. It's forever changing. So, you know, we're constantly sold this idea that if you're not happy all the time, you know, you're defective. There's something wrong with you. Um, But in actuality, like living means that you're going to experience a full range of human emotions. You're going to be angry. You're going to be happy, sad, worried. And it's constantly shifting based on what's going around, you know, what's going on around you. Um, But the messages, the messages are if you're not happy, and this goes back to viewing social media. This goes back to living in a capitalist society where they're trying to sell you things and they're trying to sell you things based on emotions or this, this idea that if you buy this, you'll be happier. So the message has been, you know, driven into us that you should be happier most of the time. Well, what does that, what does that lead to? It leads to you judging normal and expected experiences and that internal process of there's something wrong with you because you feel the way that you do. And that judgment in itself which is non-acceptance, will lead you to feel miserable. Very much connected to what we were talking about earlier, comparing yourself to others. You view everyone else as happy all the time and you're not, you're going to think that you're defective, something is wrong. So even questions for little kids, like my own kids saying, why aren't you happy? What's the matter? Are you, you know, sitting there saying that just kind of sets it up, right? Well, you're normal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's hard to, that, I, I think that would be hard to communicate with a lot of people because they don't, I don't think they will look at it from that viewpoint. They, if they see their son or daughter um, sad for an extended amount of time, especially if they're younger, uh, that you would have to very much convince them that, hey, that's, that's actually normal. That's okay. Did you see what you added in there? What? Extended period yeah, of time. Well, they, yeah, right. right. Like you're putting some limit on it. That's true. Right? Um, and the truth of the matter is, it's rarely that that's the case, right? It's like, you're going to be upset. What's an extended period of time? Like, so like, what are you as a, as a parent judging about what is okay and not okay for your kid to not be, not present as happy? So I still think you go back to the other one you said where it's a comparative thing. If my kid goes to a game, for example, plays a sport, but he's not happy or doesn't, he doesn't show 
oh, happiness. Everybody else is frolicking around and running around, right? <laughs> yeah. And your kid is just sitting there like miserable, right? So you, so you don't, you, you know, you you feel like you're being judged. Well, describe parent. describe sitting miserable. What does it look like? I don't know. I mean, I can sense usually when the heat is out. I know with my own kids, um, if it's really hot out and they're playing outside on, at a sport, it doesn't take them very long. Like Ray, I mean, Reagan will sit there and she'll <laughs> she's at the soccer game and. It's like she'll run around for a little bit. This is the last year. She'll run around for a little bit and then just stop. And she puts her head down. And it's because she's hot. She's <laughs> miserable. And then, But all these other kids are like f- oh. having fun. They're like, yes, I love this. I love this so much. And I'm like, what's the matter with my kid? Right? Yeah. So she's tired. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> or but. What about the kid in right field picking, you know, daisies? Oh, yeah. They love digging dirt. Yeah. yeah. Well, this brings up an, a point. Like, what does being happy actually look like? So, you know, you you can be content in that particular moment while someone else is in a state of, of joy and then you're, someone else is, is comparing what that looks like. Well, that person's happy and that person's not. Well, they're just content. Or maybe they, they just display their happiness different. Mm-hmm. I, I, we need to revisit this in, a, in another podcast at some point. That's an intriguing... Uh, I like that one. And number one. Avoid discomfort. Kind of counterintuitive, right? What kind of discomfort? Well, so let's let's talk about this. Um, you know, we are almost designed to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Like it's driven us to, as a society, to evolve and create um, tremendous amount of luxuries. Um, but the idea of like avoiding discomfort at all costs is really problematic. So let's think about it. Life involves risk. If you're going to fall in love, get a new job, leave a bad relationship, change anything in, in your life, you're going to have to be able to accept the possibility of rejection or failure or struggle. Um, if you want to start a new exercise routine, you want to get healthy. You know, you're going to expose yourself to the discomfort of having to get up and exercise, especially when you're in bad, in bad shape. To, to create a life worth living, it requires exposure to risk. And the more risk averse you are and the more addicted you become to comfort, the less willing you are to take the steps to really challenge yourself in life. So, you know, there's a lot of people, um, you know, that I'm following or reading or talking about the, the effect of becoming addicted to comfort and its actual relationship to human misery. What do you think about those weighted blankets that they've been selling to people? (laughs) to keep them comfortable at a time when they're really anxious. Well, it's, it's the opposite of the people that jump into freezing water to make themselves feel uncomfortable. Well, here, here's what's interesting. Like the more that you become addicted to comfort, the, the more the little things that, that break your routine end up becoming crises. So um, there's this idea of like building up tolerance for discomfort. And we have the ability to do that as human beings. Like, I remember this, this time when I was in college and I don't know if I've told Sean this story and I played small college football and I was asked to um, attend a recruiting event and just give a little talk on what it was like to be a student athlete. And I remember I didn't prepare for this, this talk at all. And I woke up on a Saturday morning, walked to the center of campus where we're going to be in the auditorium. And it looked like, there must have been 500 people in there or more in the auditorium. I think that like top 50 recruits, their girlfriends and their whole entire family members were there. 
And so I was called to walk through the aisles all the way to get on the steps and get, uh, get behind the podium and, and uh, just have the speech that I kind of just prepared on my, in my head walking to the center of campus that day. I was figuring, oh, I, do have, I just have to talk about my experience, what it's like being a student athlete. But as I was walking down the aisle, I felt my heart start to go a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. I started to feel hot, sweaty. And all of a sudden, everything I planned out in my head, I forgot. Yep. My mind went blank. Yep. So I get up there on the, uh, on the stage, stare out to everybody, and guess what happens? You didn't say anything. <laughs> Nothing. Not a word? Not a word. You just froze. I froze. Really? And then, and then I thought you would have just, how, you know, mumbled and made something up to get through it. For it, how long? It got there. So the, the coach tried to save me by asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I started just to, uh, just to mumble a bit. And I'll tell you what, to this day, it's embarrassing. Um, just getting here talking about that story, I can almost feel it. But what do you think happened the next time I had to stand in front of a class and, 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 and just present or do a speech. Well, a little less uh, of, the, of, the, of those negative feelings, right? No, and more. Preparation. Oh, you had more? More, yeah. Uh, that's because... But, okay. Yeah, I created... But it, didn't it make you prepare? So it created a panic response, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had that previous learning. So I was so uncomfortable. And I hated the feeling, right? I hated the feeling. I never wanted to be able to feel like that again. So I had options. I could just create a life where I'm never going to be in a position to have to speak publicly or I could try to face all that discomfort and prepare. So I, I ended up going to a master's program and a doctoral program and had to do presentations and so forth. But to get there, I had to face that discomfort and be able to adapt. And in time, you're able to be able to, to present or speak and grow comfortable and, and grow comfortable. So mm -hmm. it's that adaptation process so think about what a life would be like if you completely avoid discomfort. But when you were going through that, you weren't, I mean, you didn't sit there and say, I have to do this again in order to get better at it. Was that, were those really thoughts in your head? Because I think most people listening would say, well, that's just not the reality that I face. If I'm afraid of something and I try it and I fail at it and I feel horrible, I don't ever want to do that again because I don't want to put myself there. They don't go, yeah, but if I did... I might actually become a better person. I don't think people think that way. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think you're wrong. Okay. Um, because people will then have to avoid that situation. And you'll be surprised how often situations will come up and their lives are going to have to revolve around that avoidance. Social situations, public speaking, um, other events um, that are typical that create discomfort, meeting new people. So, you're, so if somebody... If any friends of mine were ever that way, what do I tell them? Like if they're that afraid or they're, they're nervous or they're, they become anxious in social settings, what is something that we can say to the people in our lives that might help them? Well, it depends. Remember, today's topic is 10 steps to misery. Well, that's true. So continue to avoid those situations. Yeah. And anything else that makes you uncomfortable, continue to avoid it. Right. So the point of today's podcast is not to focus on, you know, these things to try to make you happy. Let's identify things that are going to create misery. And if you're doing those 10 things and you expect yourself to live better and feel better, you're fooling yourself. So if your goal is to feel better, if you're doing any of these, these 10 steps, 
chances are it's going to be really difficult for you to be feeling good and living well. Listening to a podcast may be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional. If you are in a crisis or you think you have an emergency, call your doctor or 911. If you are considering suicide, call 1-800-273-TALK to speak with a skilled, trained counselor. If you found this podcast interesting, please share it with a friend, subscribe through your podcast app, and engage with us through our social channels. And if you are concerned about a friend or family member, reach out. The six magic words, I was just thinking about you, may make their day. Thank you for listening.